0: Roshni, what's wrong?
1: Tom, I have a script and I don't know what to do with it. Should I burn it? Feed it to my cat?
0: You need some writer's group therapy.
1: Hello, and welcome to Writer's Group Therapy. I'm Tom. And I'm Roshni. We're writers helping writers. Ready for your session? The doctors are in. So I know you're working on an adaptation right now of a novel I believe you said your mother wrote, right?
0: Yeah, it's a novel uh, uh, period piece. Oh, okay. And I've written a TV pilot based on it.
1: Okay. So that brings us to a very important question, which is what makes a good adaptation?
0: Yeah, adaptations are, are tricky because uh, some of our favorite books, when they get turned into movies or TV shows... They can either be amazing, you know, exciting experiences to extend your, you know, world around that property, or they can ruin it and make you very unhappy and mad sometimes.
1: So you said your mom's book is a period piece. Can you give us a brief what's it about?
0: Yeah, it's set in 1930s uh, small town Ohio, and it has to do with uh, the Depression and the economy and racism and anti-Semitism, and there's a romance and mystery involved. Um, it was a great story to work from because it's very exciting and it's got lots of layers. At the same time, when you're looking at a novel, trying to adapt it is really a lot trickier than it sounds. You can't just write what's on the page into your script because it doesn't always translate right. Yeah. So sometimes you have, to, you have to make things up or leave things out, or, you know, because I can't put in 10 pages of the hero driving in her car by herself thinking to herself. It just doesn't work. In fact, once I finished my first draft and I, I shared it with a friend, he said he really liked this one scene that, I, that was in the script, and I was appalled because that was like one of the only scenes that I made up from scratch that wasn't from the book itself. Uh-oh. So that, ma- that shows you how hard it is to adapt actual scenes from a book into a script because they don't always translate you know, as, as you would from page to screen.
1: I know some people who are screenwriters and they write a screenplay and then they write the novelization of their work. And I think it's easier to go that way because you already have the framework for the script and the action and stuff like that. So in the novel, all you got to do is kind of fluff it up and add more description. But going from novel to screen, especially if you're not the writer, like for example, Harry Potter, those were great films, but J.K. Rowling was very heavily involved in that process.
0: True. True. Yeah, but at the same time, as a, as a fan of the books, I felt like some of my favorite subplots were missing. But they're just subplots, and when you're doing a feature film that's already two and a half hours long, something's got to give, right?
1: Oh my gosh, if you if you adapted the entire book, you'd be watching a five hour movie. But then you also have things, for example, like Lord of the Rings, where I think the first movie, Fellowship, was pretty faithful to the book. But once you hit Return of the King. And again, in overall of the trilogy, I remember thinking, I didn't realize Arwen was such a big deal. And I went back and reread the books and I'm like, oh yeah, she's a footnote in Return of the King. She doesn't appear in any of the books. She's a footnote, but they put her in because it's exciting. And I think they even added some things in there that she never did. So it it, it makes for a good movie, but if you're looking for a very faithful adaptation, you, you sit up and you go, hey, wait a minute. I don't remember that. And then you get mad as a reader. You're like, hey, that's not right.
0: Right. And even so, in I, I remember in The Hobbit, specifically at the very beginning, I couldn't believe how long this first scene was where they're basically having dinner for 45 minutes. It felt like um, I, I don't know if it was that long in the book. So you've got this scene, which, you know, the director and, you know, the producers all agreed needed to be in the movie. Um, I don't personally know if it was in the book because I didn't read the book itself, but I've heard the story for a long time. I remember the animated one when I was a kid. That lasted about 45 minutes, I think, the animated show. Uh, I think it ended when they shot the dragon, too. That was the end of that story. <laughs> so that was there's another two and a half films after that that they actually made.
1: And in part because with The Hobbit, there really wasn't that much material to adapt for three movies.
0: But, hey, it was a moneymaker, so... <laughs> Let's just keep going. We'll add more characters and more scenes and see what happens, right?
1: I think one of, the, so one of the best adaptations I've seen, obviously, is Harry Potter. One of the worst adaptations I've seen, though, oh my gosh, and this makes me so sad, is Ella Enchanted, one of my favorite books and one of my most hated
0: movies. That's a really loved movie by a lot of people, though. What, what about it uh, bothered you?
1: Well, again, so I think, I saw actually an interesting video about how people, if you like a book, sometimes you want an adaptation to be too faithful, and it doesn't always translate well to the big screen, such as, you know, Harry Potter or uh, Lord of the Rings. If you did every single thing in the books, you'd be there forever. Well, with Lord of the Rings Extended Edition, you are there forever. But with Ella Enchanted, if you've ever read the book, it's a very lovely book, and I love it. It's absolutely charming. It's very... Heartfelt. It's one of the few books that can make me cry. And when she, Gail Carson Levine, the author, when she sold the rights, she pretty much sold the entire thing away. And I I read an article where she said to the people writing it, just keep Ella obedient. That's it. So the movie and the book are nothing like each other. Nothing at all. And it it affects the character of Ella. It affects the storyline. The storyline in the movie is a lot more slapstick and cheap jokes and Ella's obedient, but she's kind of the way she's obedient. It's like you give her a command and she's uh, like possessed in a way, the way she goes about it. Whereas the Ella in the book is spunky and she's trying to break the curse. And even though you tell her to obey, she tries to fight it or like get around it somehow. So the characters are very, very different. And because I loved the character of Ella so much in the book, I hated seeing the way they did it in the movie, and I hated how they took so much liberty with such a beautiful story. And it was something completely not at all what I was expecting. Perhaps if I hadn't read the book, I would have liked it better.
0: Yeah, I'm having that problem with the the Maze Runner sequels. the The first one was pretty faithful to the book. Um, it was a great, you know you know, mystery adventure story. Um, and it was beautifully filmed, but then the second one, it kind of, I don't know if it lost its way somehow, but the characters seem to be just running from action sequence to action sequence. And the mystery and depth of the characters kind of got lost in the second one. Now the third one's coming out. So obviously the second one did well enough to garner a third movie in the trilogy. So we'll see how the third one does. But, uh, you know, it's it's always fun to see books that you enjoy show up in the theater, but, you know, there's this risk that you're, you're not going to be exactly, you know, thrilled with how it turns out. I was kind of the same way with the Hunger Games series. The first one was pretty faithful. The second one uh, also was pretty faithful. The third one, when they broke it up into two movies, that became a bit long. Uh, I know the third book was longer than the other ones, but I don't know if it deserved two movies.
1: It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't that much longer than the other two. They, they could right. have done it in one.
0: Yeah, and it always, it all, totally felt like the f- the the first part of Mocking Jay was all just a setup for the second part. Like, it didn't feel like it had its own contained story. It literally felt like, okay, we're getting ready for the big final act, you know, or whatever, of the, the three-movie arc, so to speak. But it was, uh, you know, I still love those books. The books were great, and they... Well, that's one one really good example, though, because that book series is all pretty much told in the first person from Katniss's perspective, but you can't mm-hmm. do that throughout three full movies. So those books, uh, you know, changed when they became films and became third person, obviously, and we got a lot less of the internal turmoil of Katniss and the things she was going through. I mean, they were still really cool. I still really enjoyed them, but. You know, you're always going to have that. You know, have to give up something in the transition from a book to a film.
1: Yeah, and I think I'm trying to think. Uh, what was that one? Perks of Being a Wallflower. Now that's actually an example of where I like the movie better than the book. I've I read the book a long time ago, so forgive me if I'm wrong. I feel like it was in first person, but the movie adaptation was really well done. And another uh, movie book adaptation that I preferred the movie to the book was Legally Blonde. I don't even know if you can get the book Legally Blonde anymore. It might be out of print. But the movie character, the the movie story and the movie character are so much more charming than Elle in the books. And Elle in the books is not very likable, even though she's the heroine. So I preferred the movie, which also might beg the question, though, I saw the movie before I ever read the book. So sometimes it might be a case of what you see first feels better than the actual original uh, work that it's based off of.
0: Yeah, I would imagine um, if I was going to decide whether to see a book or see a movie first or the book about the movie, I'd probably want to see the movie first. Because generally, I feel like reading the book is giving you more depth into what you saw on the screen. So it's like kind of, if you really loved a movie, then you'll get even more out of the book. But I feel like going the other way, you're almost always going to be getting less from the movie than you do from the book. That You can't get the emotional depth. I mean, no, no matter how good the actor is, you can't replace pages and pages and pages of introspection on the screen. It just, it, it just doesn't get there. So, I mean, some actors do a great job, you know, of portraying emotion, but... I feel like you're, you're always going to be a little let down from the movie compared to have ready, read the book beforehand.
1: Yeah. Well, two things. Uh, now, I've never written an adaptation, but I do read a lot. <laughs> so I read a lot, and then I go to the movies and compare, and I know you're writing the adaptation. Going off of that, that one video, it, the guy brought up an interesting point where he said sometimes people don't like the adaptation because they're so geeking out over the original text that they get mad when it's not faithfully portrayed, but you can't be that faithful. Take, for example, Lord of the Rings or Narnia or something like that that's been around forever and you have people who are diehard fans of that that work and then when they don't get what they want to see on the screen, you know, it's not word for word. They're like, oh my gosh, I hate it. But you can't do that because that doesn't always make for a good movie. But I think also what might make a really good adaptation is when you read a book you are told how the character feels, whether it's in first or third person. But when you watch a movie, you as the viewer add on to the character what you're seeing, because all you're seeing are the facts, right? You're seeing the facts of the story. So you as the viewer kind of put your own spin on it and you think, oh, that's how she's feeling or whatever. You come to that conclusion on your own just from observing the scene and and getting the facts of the story whereas you don't have insight into the character's brain like you do in a book so i think if you're translating something from novel to screen you have to kind of add in how does the viewer how is the viewer going to add on their emotions experiences whatever onto this scene does that make sense a little bit
0: yeah i think you do that when you're reading books too so it makes sense it's just i think it's harder to do on the screen so Mm -hmm. and the one other thing I wanted to add, though, was that adaptations in general are great because some people will never read the book unless they see the movie first. So people, you know, writing book, great books give us great material to put into movies that hopefully turn out good. And then people will go enjoy the books and, you know, especially if there's more than one book in a series. Um, like the Percy Jackson books, those those movies uh, were uh, so so. but you know, that opens the door to readers too. So people then discover a character and then they can go dive into this you know breadth of novels that exist in that universe. And for writers like us, it's kind of cool because we we already know that the movie industry likes to make movies about books. So as we've been told, I think by several people in our group, if you can't sell your script write the book, get the book into 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 print and then maybe that book will then be a big seller and become a movie later. So.
1: Yeah. So what are the challenges have you faced in adapting your uh, your mother's novel?
0: One of the trickiest things was there's actually two characters um are twin brothers in the book. So obviously when you go to make a movie about a story with twins, You have to think about casting and how the scenes are written with two people in them. So that's a particularly unique problem to have. Fortunately, in the book, those two characters are only in a couple scenes together, and they're not particularly complicated. So that was one tricky thing. And the other one was just uh, pacing, you you know, trying to figure out how much of the book to put into just a pilot episode of of a show. In this case, it was a pilot for TV. It wasn't a movie. I have to look at, you know, a, a, the arc of the entire book as kind of like a season of a TV show and figure out where the acts are and where the stories naturally break um, because it would be serialized because it's a, a novel with a mystery in it. So that was kind of a unique uh, exercise I had to go through was figuring out what to put in to just the first episode and how would the rest of the episodes of the season play out.
1: Interesting thank you for sharing. <laughs> so how about for you guys? What challenges are you facing as you adapt novels into screenplays? Let us know at writersgrouptherapy.com. You can also tweet at us at WG Therapy online. If you like what you hear, subscribe and share it with your friends. We'll see you next week.